Today we continue in our series, Spiritually Strong, in which we've been examining what it looks like to be spiritually strong in our lives. The Bible says basically that spiritually strong people are transformed, that God meets us where we are and helps us become something more, helps us become better people, that God is working to help us become holy, which means set apart, that we're different from the world, that we're becoming more like Jesus, to be restored into the image of God that we were all first created in, and that holiness is a way that God improves us. With God, we improve ourselves, but we don't have to prove ourselves to God. We don't earn God's love by being holy or doing the right thing. God already thinks we're priceless. That's why he died for us on a cross and came back to life. And so with God, we improve ourselves, but we don't have to prove ourselves. But God wants us to live great lives, and God wants us to to improve. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so God plays a role in this, and we play a role in this. And it's comforting to know that we're not in it by ourselves, that we can lean on the strength of God. And it's a relationship. It's kind of like the way that you think about uh, a wedding and a marriage. Uh, We enter into a relationship with God. We come out of that experience different, and it begins uh, a relationship that's going to last for the rest of our lives. Just like a married couple, two individuals come together at the wedding, something special happens, they become something new, they become a couple, and then for the rest of their lives, they're in the marriage in which they're investing in one another. And so it takes constant and ongoing care for one another. So that's what transformation is. That's what becoming holy is. That means sanctification. We're we're becoming holy in our lives. We're walking with God for the rest of our lives, and God is improving us. We don't have to prove ourselves to God, but God is improving our lives, helping us live life to the full. Well, last week we talked about how spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. Now, when you say that, when you hear that, that really doesn't make sense, but I promise you it's true. Spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. And so if you missed that last week, I invite you to go back and check it out because uh, it's really a challenging but really cool message that gives a lot of us strength and hope to move forward. Well, today we're going to continue in the series, and we're going to look at another way that people become spiritually strong by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. A few weeks ago, I had some computer problems. I sat down on my work laptop computer and was going to catch up on some email, but the mail program wasn't working. And so, you know, it's really aggravating when technology doesn't work. It's great when it works, but when it doesn't work, it can be really frustrating. And so, I went on there, tried to troubleshoot. I took my account off, put it back on, still wouldn't work. Uh, I called our administrative assistant, Sarah, who helps in, in these ways. And, and she tried to help me. And we, we got Chuck, who is a member of our church, who is our IT go-to person and just watches out for all of us and is awesome. And, uh, and Chuck was help, able to help me figure out what was going on. And basically, what I ended up having to do was simply change my password which is something that we have to do periodically with our email accounts. I just didn't get the reminder from uh, the email program this time. And so it was a little frustrating. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I, I mean, I understand that this is all for security reasons and that the, the, the software itself mandates this to change your password. But honestly, changing my password all the time is really kind of irritating. Why can't I just keep my password? I know it's a risk. You know, someone might be able to hack into it, but it's really frustrating when you have to make those changes. 
You know, technology, I love it, but sometimes it can be frustrating, especially when change is involved. And so, you know, we see it in other ways with technology. Uh, when you when you go to a website now, before you can view the website, a lot of times this screen pops up that says this website installs cookies on your computer. And do you agree to receive the cookies? And this is not, you know, cookies that you get to eat like Cookie Monster on Sesame Street. It's just a way of of the internet website tracking some stuff and, and marking that we've been there. And next time I come back, it remembers us and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it used to be the cookies were put on our computers and we didn't know about it. Uh, but someone said that's not cool. And so now there's a law that you have to agree to receive the cookies and you can't go on the website till you get the cookies. But you know what? Honestly, I miss the old days where they snuck the cookies on and I didn't have to click every time. I agree to the cookie. I agree to the cookie. I agree. Just give me the cookie, okay? I'm cool with that. Uh, this, this, the new change is kind of aggravating me. And then when we go on the internet and you want to do something and it pops up a screen that says, are you a human or are you a robot? And then you have to click on these little pictures to prove that you're a human because evidently, you know, other humans are using computers to, to hack into all these things and, and evidently computers can't click on little pictures. And so they give us humans little pictures like click on every picture that has a stoplight or pick, click on every picture that has a bicycle. And so I click, 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 click. And usually I miss one of those pictures and I have to do the whole thing again. And I'm just like, can't we go back to the days to when I wasn't considered a robot? I didn't have to change my password every so often. Uh, and that I, 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 I just don't have to deal with any change. I, maybe you're there. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But some of these technology changes are kind of driving me up the wall and a little irritated today. So maybe it's just a little bit gripey. Just please forgive your pastor for griping. But maybe if you want to gripe today about some changes in technology, feel free to drop that in the chat and we can commiserate on that together. But the question today is, how do spiritually strong people handle change in our lives? Because change whether it's technology or something else, it's always coming at us. We find change at work. We find change at school. We find change in our neighborhoods. We find change uh, in our churches. We find change, uh, you know, in, in every facet of life. Right? There is always change. And sometimes change is good and we're excited about that. But sometimes change is really irritating and kind of drives us up the wall. And we all know what it's like to deal with change. We have a new job. We have a new city. Uh, we have new rules, we have new regulations, we have new health things that we have to deal with, we have new politicians, we, we have new classes at school, new teachers, new regulations. You know what I'm talking about, right? We all have to deal with change. So how do spiritually strong people deal with change? Let's think about that today and see what God has to teach us about dealing with change because it's, it's, it's not going to stop, it's not going to go away. So as spiritually strong people, how can we best deal with change? It's a man named William Bridges who wrote a book called Managing Transitions. And this is considered like the book to go to when you're dealing with change or transition in your life. And, and he says that the issue for most of us is not the change itself, but it's the transition. And this is how he defines that. He says that change is kind of the physical thing that happens. I get a new job, so I have to drive to a new place for work. I'm, I'm going to a new school, so I have to go to the, to the new school. There's a new regulation that I have to implement at work, and so I have to make that physical change at work. He says, that's not the hard part. He said, the hard part is what he calls transition, and that's basically 
wrapping our minds around the change. How do we psychologically adapt to the change? How am I dealing with the new job? How am I dealing with the new class? How am I dealing with the new neighbor in my life? How am I dealing with the new regulations uh, that are coming out about COVID-19? All that sort of thing. How do we wrap our minds around things? That's where the real challenge is for us in our lives. So maybe that's a way that we think about change and we think about transition um, in our lives. And he says that really, you know, change and transition, there's three different phases. There's the letting go phase where something has to end. And that's challenging. That's a loss. It's kind of like a death of something. We lose something, letting go. Then there's grabbing on to the new as we as we enter into whatever the new phase of our life is. And then between that is what he calls the neutral zone. I kind of call it the twilight zone. It's where we're not fully engaged in the new yet. We haven't fully landed in the new normal yet. And we can't go back to where we came from. We've, we've already left that place. And so there's the, the neutral zone. And, and he, he says it's kind of like a, a trapeze artist at a circus. Someone's swinging on a trapeze, you know, up over a big net somewhere. And they're on one of the trapeze bars and they let go. Uh, and then they're in the air for a little while before they grab the next trapeze. And he says, that's how change really works. We let go of something. We're going to grab hold of something in the middle. It's just this really weird place to where we're not quite yet where we're going and we can't go back to where we came from. And he says there's strategies for all three phases of that. If you want to check those out, great book. Again, Managing Transitions. But he says in all this that we're going to experience a lot of different emotions because, again, change is a loss. Change is kind of like something dies, is cut off. And so we have to deal with that. And so for some of us, we're going to deny that change is going to happen. We're just going to put it off as long as we can and just pretend that it's not going to happen. Others of us are going to make bargains, try to make bargains with God or someone else say, you know, if I do this, can we keep things the same, right? Whether that's with another person or that's with God, we try to bargain. Uh, sometimes we're going to get angry in this. Sometimes we're going to be sad in this. Sometimes we're going to be joyful. Like, I, it's about time that we're changing. I can't wait to do something new. I'm just so tired of the old. And so we're going to go through all of those emotions and probably others, even like feeling numb or, or whatever. And so whatever we're going through, if, if you're feeling those different emotions, that's just normal. So don't feel that there's anything wrong in your life uh, about the way that you feel. There's just different emotions that we we handle when we deal with change and transition in our lives. And I think it's okay to, to allow ourselves permission to go through those emotions. But ultimately, whether we like it or not, change happens. And we really, you can't go back and you can't stay in midair forever. And so at some point, we're going to have to grab hold of the new and let that become part of our life. So what does God teach us in the Bible about change? I want to look at a couple of passages here. And we're going to start in the Old Testament, first with the book of Isaiah, uh, which was written... You know, several hundred years before Jesus was born and the people of Israel had gotten into some trouble and they were in captivity. Another nation came in, defeated them, took them in captivity. And this is God speaking to them saying, I know you messed up, but I'm getting ready to do something good in your life. And so we're going to read today in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Isaiah is a spokesperson, a prophet, speaking for God to the people of Israel. And I think also speaking to us today. Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So God giving Israel a new day, giving Israel a new chance that, that change is in the air and this change is good. 
Now I want to jump to the New Testament, to the last book of the New Testament, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And uh, a follower of Jesus named John uh, in the first century got a chance to look into the future and look into heaven. And he's seeing what's going to happen when Jesus comes back again, defeats evil forever. This is all wiped out. And God brings down the new heaven and the new earth. And we're getting ready to be in eternity with God forever, those of us who follow Jesus. And this is what John records in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. He who was seated on the throne, that's God, said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So we see in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament that there's something in God that makes things new, that God is about change. God is about transition. God is always working in our lives to try to make things better for us. So in these circumstances and really all throughout the Bible, God is a major change agent. One more passage. This is from uh, the New Testament. This is from Paul, who was a pastor, first century Mediterranean world, started a lot of churches, and he would write them letters. And a lot of those letters make up the New Testament. This is a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. He's writing this letter to the Corinthian Christians. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we can we're able to look at God now because of Jesus you know, directly. We are being transformed into God's image and with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this is exactly what this whole series is talking about, that the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image of God that we were first created in. We're becoming holy. We're becoming transformed. And when we, when we read Scripture, we see that God is a big fan of change. God is a big fan of transition as, as God wants to make things better in our lives. God wants to make things better in our lives individually and for groups and for churches and even for nations. And obviously right now it's a difficult time in the United States of America. And so my hope and prayer is that God is working among us to make the United States better, that there are some changes that are happening, that we're, we're going to stand up against racism and injustice, and we're going to try to make people as healthy as possible, physically and also spiritually. And so I think when we read scripture, we see that God is a major change agent and that God is all about change and transition because God wants us to be transformed. He meets us where we are and helps us become something more. Again, individuals, families, groups, churches, states, nations, right? God's ready to help all of us become better. Now, not all change is good. Not all change is is initiated by God. But when we're talking about godly change, when God's behind something, uh, then that's change that spiritually strong people are wise to embrace, that we go with God and we allow God to bring better things into our lives. As we think about the church, which is the body of Christ in the world, uh, until Christ comes back again physically at the end of time, like we see in the book of Revelation that we kind of glanced over earlier in this, in this message, uh, with the church sometimes, right? It's an interesting thing to think that, you know, the God that we follow is all about change and transition. Uh, God still honors certain traditions, uh, but, but God definitely is clearly an, an agent for change, an agent for transition. But a lot of times the church in the earth, only earth today, kind of lags behind. 
and we resist change. Uh, and I think part of what's going on is that there's so much change in the world at work and at school and at home and in our lives that, that we, we all just want one place to be safe to where we can know that we can go and, and things are going to be the same and they're not going to change. And for a lot of us, that's church. You know, and we, we want our sanctuary right from the world. We want to be able to hide out from the world and and just have a safe place where things don't change. But as we've seen in Scripture, that's not how God works. Uh, God wants us to be comforted, but God also, you know, moves us forward to be transformed. And so sometimes as churches, we kind of forget the God that we serve is a God who's out there who is moving and changing and, and transitioning things. And sometimes churches fall behind. In the book of Revelation, again, in the early part of that book, John is writing to some Christian churches in the first century, and, and he's sharing God's words with these churches. And God's saying to all these churches, you're doing some things really well. Keep doing those things well, but they're, they're, these are some things that you're not doing well. And if you don't change this, then then you're in danger of not being a church anymore. Uh, so that's kind of facing the brutal facts. And, and that's hard to read, but God's giving the churches a chance. God's giving the churches to, a chance to turn around and you know, every year uh, I get to go uh, once a year with a member of our church, a lay member of our church, to represent South Park Church uh, at a gathering for all the United Methodist churches in Western North Carolina, where you know each pastor and then a lay person uh, from each church gets to go to what's called annual conference to do some of the business of the church, of the United Methodist Church in Western North Carolina. And there's a lot of celebrating, there's a lot of worship, there's a lot of good stuff going on. But every year near the end of the conference. Uh, we have to see a list of churches that are closing down. And that's heartbreaking. And it's sad. These, these are churches with long histories. And, you know, that's not a time to rejoice. It's, it's a sad time. And a lot of times the reason these churches are having to shut down is because they haven't been open to change. They haven't been open to transition. They haven't been open to reaching the community around them. And Really, ultimately, instead of worshiping God, sometimes they've worshiped tradition and the way that we do things instead of God and, and God moving us forward to be transformed. And so it catches up to churches and these churches are closed down. And it's kind of like what I said in the book of Revelation. It's, it's just a sad ending to that story. Well, seven years ago, our congregation had some very serious conversations. We were coming off a 20 year period in our 50 year history in which we were in a slow decline and lost half of our, our congregation, our active members, the members on our, our membership roles, all that stuff. And there was no scandal. There was no plan to, you know, lose half the church. A lot of good people doing a lot of good things. And, you know, long story short, we, we kind of figured out that the sharing community, which the church started in, had transformed into the South Park community. And we didn't change with the community to be relevant to reach the community that, that we now found ourselves in. And so we were at a crossroads, kind of like the churches in the book of Revelation. And we prayed about it, and we talked a lot about it, and we made a conscious decision seven years ago to relaunch our church to be relevant to the South Park community so that we could reach people for Jesus, so that we could reach people for Jesus in the South Park community, just like we reach people for Jesus in the sharing community that we started out in over 50 years ago. And so... That's, that's kind of our story. We've been working on that relaunch for the past seven years. And part of that has included a lot of change that's been good change, but it's been difficult change. We changed the name of the church. 
we changed our leadership model. We changed our staffing model. We felt led to change our entire campus where we we took down our iconic 50-year-old building where people were married and baptized and grew in the faith. And we consoled each other at funerals when loved ones died and went to be with God in heaven. And so just a lot of stuff going on. And, and then we moved into what we call the frontier because just as the people who started the church 54 years ago were pioneers, now we're pioneers again in, in South Park. And we've been out in the frontier. We've been mobile for three and a half years, worshiping in a movie theater, worshiping at home during the pandemic, uh, meeting at homes for our small groups. We go meeting in the YMCA, coffee shops, schools, retirement communities, other churches out in the community. And we we did a ton of change. And, and just one of those changes could have wrecked most any church in America. Right? You change the name, that, that, could, that could divide a church. You change the leadership structure, that could divide a church. You, you, you tear down your church building of 50 years, that could definitely wreck a church. And so we did all of that. You might be asking, well, why did we do all of that? We did all of that so that we could reach people for Jesus. We believe that's what God placed us here to do for these past 54 years. And, and we believe that's where God is still calling us to serve. And so we made all of those changes because we believe that God called us to do that, to make the changes, to make the transitions. Uh, and there's been excitement in that. There's been tears in that. We've lost people who've left the church over that. And it's been hard, but we believe that's what God has called us to do. Well, so what? So we're talking about change. We're talking about transition. So what's the big idea? What's the point? What, what does God have to teach us today? This, this is what I think it is is that spiritually strong people embrace change. Spiritually strong people embrace change. Now, not all change, because again, not all change is good, but spiritually strong people embrace good change. Spiritually strong people embrace godly change. When, when God is on the move in our lives in wanting to help us become better, to transform us as individuals, as families, as churches, as small groups, as, as a city, as a state, as a nation, as a world, right? Spiritually strong people embrace change. Now, it doesn't mean that we necessarily like it at first or we don't have emotions that we have to process that, you know, every, right off the start, we're going to be like, woohoo, right? Some of us are in certain changes. It's some, it takes us a while to embrace that. But ultimately, spiritually strong people embrace change, good change, godly change, change that God is moving in our lives. And ultimately, Change is going to happen. Like I said earlier, death and taxes, we can count on. Change is something that we can count on. So we might as well make the best of that, especially when God is in the midst and God is, is moving forward. And so as we think about spiritual strong people, right, embrace change, how can we apply that in our lives? Like, what does that look like in our lives? I think, again, the first thing that we can remember is, is to look at the why. Why are we changing? Right? At South Park Church, we made some major decisions, major changes, and the why was, was significant. It drove this because we believe God calls us to do this. God calls us to reach a whole new generation, a whole new community that's grown up around us for Jesus. And so we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus, change whatever we need to, transition whatever we need to, right? Look at the why. So if you're, if you're dealing with some change in your life, remember why you're doing that. Now, sometimes we have change and we don't agree with the why or there is no why. And that's harder. And I understand that. 
But I would just call your attention to another thing that, that Paul says in, in the Bible in Romans 8, 28. It says that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him. So maybe a change hasn't been initiated by God, or maybe it's not something that you're super excited about. I still believe the Bible still says that God can still work through that anyway. So don't give up on God. Don't give up. Maybe the change has nothing to do with God, but that God can still come in there and work with you to make it positive, to give it a reason, to give it a positive why. So if we want to embrace change, I think we, we look at why the change is happening, especially when it's initiated by God in our lives, right? Why is this change happening? And if it's a good change, a godly change, right? remember that that helps us as we're dealing with all of the transition in our lives. I think another thing that, that we can do to help us implement this embrace of change in our lives is that we have to stay anchored in some way. You remember I said that you know a lot of churches, people want to have a safe place, to have a sanctuary where something doesn't change. And I said that for some of us, that has become an idol and, and we worship the tradition and all that kind of familiar stuff more than we worship God. And that's how a lot of these churches get in trouble well, there is something that doesn't change that we can always count on that can anchor us in the midst of all the change around us. And so I want to go to the New Testament. This is from the book of Hebrews, which is really just a really big sermon in the New Testament. Uh, and this is what the writer of Hebrews says to us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if we're looking for an anchor, if we want to find something that doesn't change, we want to find something that we can always count on, always count on, that's God. God is going to be there. God is always going to be good. God is always going to love us. God is always ready to talk to and listen to us. And so if we're looking for an anchor in the midst of change, as everything around us is chaos and change, we want to have one thing that doesn't change, that is God, and we can hang on to that. So that is good news. And, and we see that also in, in other areas of our life. One of the ways that we managed all the change and transition in our church over these past seven years uh, is we, we focused on things that weren't changing. Obviously, God is not changing. But in the midst of the building changing and the name changing and all that kind of stuff, what didn't change was our love for each other. Right? We've cared for each other in our old campus. We've cared for each other. In a movie theater, we've cared for each other in coffee shops. We've cared for each other in our homes, right? We care for our community out in the community. And so those relationships, right, have, have been foundational, have anchored us, right? We love God. We love people, right? The Bible says something about that. Love God and love people. And so those are anchors in our lives. And so how do we deal with change? How do we embrace change? Always focus on the why. Look for God in God's reasoning in why there's some change happening. And then hang on to those anchors, the things that don't change. God doesn't change. Right? Our love and relationships for each other right, it doesn't change. It, it might get better, which is a, a bit of a change, but, but, but we can count on one another. And then I would just say, you know, a third thing to that is allow yourself to experience whatever emotions you're experiencing. You might be excited about the change, but you might still be sad about it. It might take you some time to, to work through that. You might be excited about it. You might be angry about that for a little while initially. And so when change is coming, remember, it's like a death. We're losing something. We're letting go of something so we can take up something new. And, and so in that middle space, the twilight zone that I like to call it, uh, the neutral zone, uh, or, or any of these three phases, right? if you're feeling stuff, just, just let, give yourself permission to feel that. 
and ask God to walk you through that. Talk to a, someone who cares about you to help you walk through that. But again, don't lose sight of the why. Don't lose sight of your anchor and uh, God's working in your life. We are getting ready to see a huge milestone moment in this journey that we've been on. As just a few short weeks, we're, we're going to be moving into our new campus that we've been working towards for seven years. And this is, this is just going to be so awesome. And I can't wait. And I know we're all so excited. I just, I want you to enjoy the moment. And right, we've been in the frontier for three and a half years. And uh, our next sermon series is going to be called The Final Frontier. We're, we're leaving the frontier and we can celebrate that. I just want to give thanks to Kevin Aki, our director of creative on staff here at South Park Church, who came up with that, that title, The Final Frontier. And our next series, we're going to celebrate all that we've done with God in the frontier, and we're going to look back at that. We're going to look forward to where we're going, and it's just going to be a lot of celebrating, and I just can't wait to get into that. Uh, and, and we've gone through a lot of change. And in the midst of that, I've had a lot of conversations with you and all kinds of people in our congregation, and, and I remember it's, you know, some of these really awesome conversations, open and honest conversations uh, with some of our charter members who started our campus 54 years ago, started our church, and, and want to begin to talk with them some about you know, bringing the building down, changing the name of the church. Some of them were very honest. All of them were very honest. and said, you know, Kyle, uh, I want to reach people for Jesus, but I'm having a hard time with tearing the church down. I'm having a hard time with changing the church name. So we had discussion, we prayed about it, we talked about it, just like we did with you know everybody in church, town hall meetings, individual meetings, that sort of thing. And, and it's, it's, it's beautiful that, that our congregation, including charter members, you know, ultimately just came back and said, you know, Kyle, it's going to be hard, but if this is what God's really calling us to do, and we can reach the next generation for Jesus and allow them to experience what we felt and experienced when we were a young church starting out in the Sharon community, that we can do that for the South Park community. If we can reach people for Jesus, then count us in. And we'll make whatever changes and whatever transitions are necessary. And I love that. And I think God loves that. And I just, I want to thank all of you, whether you're a charter member or, or you're brand new to our church and you're excited for our vision or somewhere in between, you're with us right now. You've been with us on this trip. Thank you so much for being open to change, to being open to the Holy Spirit's vision, to, to going on this great ride and roller coaster with us of ups and downs. And as we're approaching this huge milestone moment, I just want you to enjoy the moment and to give God thanks that we've been able to be part of this, that spiritually strong people embrace change. We don't always like it. It might take us some time to get there, but spiritually strong people embrace change when it's good change, when it's God's change. So in your life, embrace that change that God brings to you. Look at the why, right? Grab hold of those anchors of God and the other things that don't change and allow yourself to experience those emotions, but know that it's worth it. And as we celebrate getting ready to go into the new campus and we look back at all the change that has happened, this can also happen in other areas in your life as well. When we are open to what the Holy Spirit is doing through change and transition. Spiritually strong people embrace change. So embrace change in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.